that doesn't that's what doesn't make sense to me you're gonna make up your mind now i just i just think it's a little dumb it pisses me off that he does no 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 this is different it's definitely different really on my nerves right now you're listening to the loose change podcast with your hosts nick waglia and jared scally Couch Guy Sports Loose Change Podcast, episode number 85. I'm back this week, Nick Qualia, per usual. We got no Jared, so we brought on Connor, Yo. recurring recurring side host. Recurring comes on when Jared gets sick, because Jared seems to get sick quite a lot. But, uh-huh. but, 85 episodes in, we have a new co-host, too. I, personally, I want to get him a podcast on the network. There was Mike Salhaney. He's a, he's a lifelong friend. College it doesn't write for us, but I want to get him a podcast on the network soon. Mike? What's up, up everyone? Quags, thanks for having me on. Excited yeah, to be here. You you know, you know I've been you know I want to get you on the network. Oh bro, of course. Let's do this. And if I and if I sound if I if I sound shitty, because right before the show my microphone busted. Although I'm told that I sound fine. I'm very self-conscious about my mic. You sound so sexy, Nick. <laughs> no, gen- so- like, I'm like, I'm, I am genuinely upset at this microphone. I'm pissed. Okay, Yeti. What the? Yeti is supposed to be, like, top of the line, which I know they are. <clears throat> but, like, I, I've had this mic for two weeks, three weeks. Yeti, get your, sh- get, get your shit together. Together, Yeti. If you're listening, get it together. Yeah. I'm pissed. I should tweet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut this promo. Yeah, I would tweet this promo at him. <laughs> we were gonna make, we were gonna make well, them our sponsor, but like not anymore. Yeah. No, like, like I, because it worked. I used it on Monday night. It was working, but it was like fidgety, and now it just won't turn on. Hmm. Unbelievable. Is, that, is there like a battery? Maybe battery's dead. No batteries. It just plugs itself in. God oh, damn it! I don't know. It's a big mic. It's one of the most popular mics. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm. That's why I'm rattled. That it's busted. Irked. And. Another side warrant. If you if there's a dog walking in the background, if you can hear the dog walking in the background, I'm watching a house with a golden doodle. He's very lovable. Dopiest dog I've ever met in my life. Yeah, so you know what? This is what I was gonna tell you guys. I'm watching this house right now in Braintree. Or like I'm not even I'm not even really watching this house. I don't know these people. I've never met these people <laughs> in my life. <laughs> so we're having a party? Let's throw a party. No, like <laughs> I'm on my way. So, so they said that I could stay over because Amanda, my girlfriend, she's watching the house. They said I could stay over, but I've just been here by myself, and it's it's just weird. Like it's a weird feeling to be here by myself. And they've got this dog, Oscar, Golden Doodle. He's cool, dopiest dog I've ever met in my life. So you know that you know the dog from Up with the voice box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Squirrel. If he had a voice box, that's what it, that's what he would talk like. This is the dopiest <laughs> motherfucker I've ever met in my life. And then they have this cat, this creepy-ass cat. And Amanda warned me about him. His name's Banksy, like the artist in England. <laughs> okay. When I when I went to bed the first night, Amanda warned me. She was like, hey, just letting you know, this cat's kind of creepy. And I was like, okay, it's a cat. Like, of course they're creepy. But, like, this cat is super fucking creepy. I went to bed, and at 3.30 a.m., the devil's hour, I opened up my <laughs> eyes. My body just knew something was happening, and I opened up my eyes, and this cat is staring me directly in the face. I wake up two feet away. He's staring me right in the face, and then the moment I opened up my eyes, he was like, all right, great, you're up. Feed me, bitch, and he starts Wait, headbutting me. What? Oh, I would have I probably punched that cat out the window. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not- not gonna, like, not it would have freaked me out. I'm sorry. Against everyone who loves cats, that cat would have been out the window. It scared the, it scared the hell out of me. It's a bad omen, dude. 3.30 in the morning? I don't know. Uh, is a Keep an eye on that cat. No, I don't think so. Banksy I mean, haunts in the place? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it could be. Nick, what is that behind you? Oh, my God. It's a window and some art. I was just trying to scare you. It's a ghost. I forgot you could see yourself. <laughs> it's a ghost, right? Fuck out. Oh, my God. No, this cat, I mean, he's cool. He's got he's got no claws either, so he's like he just punches you with his paws. <laughs> Apollo Creed. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's cool. He's just a weirdo. Um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't I say I had something else to tell you guys? Oh, the romaine lettuce. 
So you mentioned Romain Lettuce. We'll start the weekly dump. Okay, weekly dump. Pat, noise. Weekly dump. Romain Lettuce recalled this week. Mm-hmm. Okay? Wild ruins my lunch plans all week. Yeah. Because I get Caesar salad consistently from the pizza place down the street. Ruins my ruins my lunch plans. Mm-hmm. And then my coworker comes back today. And, like, you're still not supposed to be selling any romaine lettuce. My coworker comes back today from the shop. And he was like – and I was like, what would you get? And he was like, oh, blah, 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 with romaine lettuce. I was like, what? <laughs> He's trying to die? Uh-oh. I like, what do you what do you mean romaine lettuce? Can E. coli kill you? Uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah. You're, like, young or really old. I mean, for us, we probably get really sick. We probably get, like, diarrhea or something. It's a hell of you a way to want, go. You don't want it, okay? You just yeah. don't want it. That's ugly. I mean, I've never I've never known anybody to be like, you know what, dude? Let's go get E. coli tonight. You got any coli shop down the street? Why isn't E. coli legal yet? You go <laughs> um, we could probably go find some romaine lettuce tonight, and we could just all get E. coli together. Experience it. Put it on the podcast. It's not a good way to go, you know, at the funeral. Like, uh, some, like he died by lettuce. Died, died via romaine lettuce. Right, man. <laughs> died by lettuce. <laughs> Yikes. All right. Caesar. Dude, when he came back and was like, he was like, I got romaine lettuce. I was like, what kind of place is still just like, <laughs> I'm going to chance it. I'm going to sell romaine lettuce to all my customers. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, what the fuck? All right. Weekly dub. Already did the noise. <laughs> Baker Mayfield and the Browns, pants Hugh Jackson, intercepted the ball, handed the ball to Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson, what a loser for taking that ball. You do not accept that ball after the Browns intercepted you. Because Hugh Jackson, remember, now the assistant special coach of the, of the Bengals. Uh, after the game goes to handshake, uh, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield shakes his hand, goes in for the bro hug. Hugh Jackson goes in for the bro hug. Baker Mayfield says, nah, buddy. Nope, not doing that. After the game, Baker Mayfield trashes him. And saying just goes on and on and on about how he's no longer with the Browns, goes to the team that they play twice a year, kind of some BS. Whatever your opinion is on that, not going to be a main subject tonight, but Baker's my guy, so I stand with Baker. Hashtag I stand with Baker. <laughs> and then today, he was, today they asked him about it again. He was like, I'm not backing down from calling Hugh Jackson fake. So it sounds like there was a lot of stuff going inside those walls. Uh, I mean, kind of a douchebag move, but. By, by on Baker's part, no, on by Baker's part, by doing Listen, that, all that stuff. Everybody knows Jackson. But I, love is a, it. I love it. Everybody hated Hugh Jackson. Everybody in the organization hated Hugh Jackson. I know, but he's still like a figure in the NFL. He's still your coach. You don't have to do that. I mean, I love the move. I love Baker Mayfield. I love what he did. It was hilarious. I loved it. But kind of a douchebag move. He's a douchebag. Well, you hey, know what? He's an athlete, and he is understandably upset. He's expressing it, and you got to appreciate his honesty. And that, but that's what he said. He was like, he was like, I am who I am. I'm not going to change. That's basically what he said. Like, yeah. great. Oh, yeah. You do you. Yeah. Uh, David Price joined Twitch, and on his stream last night, he was playing with Nathan Evaldi. That's and he awesome. told Nathan Evaldi <laughs> that he better resign with the Red Sox. Hell yeah. Uh, defenseman Kevin Miller will be out five weeks after taking a puck to the throat. He now joins Zidane Char, Patrice Bergeron, Charlie McAvoy, all out. The Bruins, man. We don't talk enough Bruins on this podcast, especially since we lost Lauren. <sighs> they have gotten their asses kicked by injuries. Have a... Beaten. Oh my, everybody's hurt on the team. Patrice Bergeron. And like, not like small, like week-long injuries. They're all out for four to five to six weeks. Patrice Bergeron, I think it's ribs. Uh, Chara, MCL, McAvoy, concussion. McAvoy also had to have like a heart procedure last year. Uh, nice. Kevin Miller, they have no defense anymore. Kevin Miller, defenseman, hit the puck, hit the throw of the puck. Um, are they still holding up? Oh, yeah. They're scrappy. They're, they're, still, like the, yeah, they're still scrappy. They're like the Celtics before they actually had talent. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Mike, Mike Francesa, the legend, he's talking about two-time Super Bowl a champion, Jeremy Shockey. He said Jeremy Shockey never saw anything close to a Super Bowl. Mike, he he won the Super Bowl twice. <laughs> <laughs> Le'Veon Bell commented under an Instagram post, folks on Andrew Luck saying, just imagine with a bunch of eye emojis. Because Le'Veon Bell likes to troll people this season. Blake Bortles benched for Cody Kessler. Laugh out loud funny because that guy just got a lot more money over the offseason. Uh, Kyle Korver just happened before we started recording Wednesday night, 6.40 p.m. to the Jazz. And then R.I.P. Stephen Hill- Hillenberg. Dies of ALS, SpongeBob SquarePants creator. Hi, oh, my gosh. Are you serious? You didn't know that? Yeah. No. It happened, it happened yesterday, yeah. bro. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That was... 
That's real oh, sad. This is a was raw alive. reaction right there. That is that guys. That guy was shaped raw. Any of our childhoods, like, come on, he yeah. was incredible. Not only that, he was just he just made the greatest cartoon of all time. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think it, it's got to be the best cartoon of all time. Absolutely, no doubt. Come on, nothing like, compares. There's no yeah exactly like you, you, you can all you can all quote it right now. If you want Easily, to. I should have. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I should have <laughs> told wow. you. I should have told wow. you guys the quote. He wow. also created Rocco's Modern Life. That's what Pat just said. I don't think I don't know. I okay. So producer Pat can talk. Side note behind the scenes, producer Pat can talk, and we hear him. I don't know if you guys can hear him. He says that you can't, but then he says things, and I don't know if you heard him. So I'm going to repeat them. So if I ever just repeat something that Pat says, that's because I don't know if you guys heard him. So I'm just doing this for you guys. I'm doing this for the listeners. All right, that's it for the weekly dump. Sound, sound effect. All right, first topic of the night, Anthony Davis. Rumors came out, again, from Chris Sheridan, longtime NBA reporter. He said that it's more likely than not that AD is going to be traded before the trade deadline in February if the Pelicans are middle of the road or lower in the standings. He listed out five. There are five teams Anthony Davis sees himself with in the near and distant future. Those teams include the Pelicans, the Lakers, the Sixers, the Knicks, and the Boston Celtics. Now, knock the Pelicans off of that team, off that list. Because I don't think he wants to be with the Pelicans. I think he's only saying that just because he kind of has to. Mm-hmm. So knock the Pelicans off that list. I, who would? Why would you want to go to the Knicks if you want to win? You don't. And then I think that just leaves the Sixers, Pelicans, and Celtics. I don't. I don't see him going to the Sixers either. So Celtics and Lakers. I think that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. And we know. I mean, we've talked. Me and Connor have talked about the Rose Rule before. Yeah, definitely. You can't trade the Celtics. Celtics fans. Friggin' listen, because I'm tired of seeing this on Twitter. <laughs> no oh, one understands. No, Every so time this comes up, people are like, what will you trade for Anthony Davis right now? What can the Celtics do this season? They're having a lot of trouble. You can go get Anthony Davis. No, no you, you can't. can't. You, you can't. can't. You cannot get Anthony Davis. The Derek Rose rule. And it's like, how do people not understand this by now? Because this has come up every single time since Kyrie has been on this team. Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving at the moment cannot be on the same team via trade. They can't. So so dumb, though. I hate the rule. It's a ridiculous it. rule. I don't even really understand it. Chris Forsberg of NBC Sports Boston, who I've also tried getting on this show, mm-hmm. you know, has he himself was explaining it on NBC Sports Boston. And okay. I don't really understand it personally. But but you just the fact of the matter is you can't do it, at least until yeah. the because Kyrie Irving's contract is up at the end of this year. It's something to do with their contracts, the Derrick Rose rule again. This summer, when Kyrie signs an extension like he says he will with the Celtics, then you can make a trade for Anthony Davis. Right. He can't become an unrestricted free agent until 2020. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's that's what I want to ask you guys. What do you think? What would you give up for Anthony Davis? Because he, cause let's, let's get our heads out of our asses, Celtics fans. Because you're literally going to have to make a trade that's going to involve somebody you don't want to get rid of. Wait, so you're saying what will we trade well, at the end of the season give, for Anthony Davis? What would I, at the end of the season, because we can't do it right now. At the end of the season, you, you I can, mean, you can do it right now. Yeah, if we give up Kyrie. Irving. Which includes Kyrie. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm not going to do because then we're just back at like I don't. know, Why would we do that? I don't think that would improve our team at all. I, I don't think Kyrie it would either. instead of Anthony Davis, but. I would give away. It depends how we do this season. I don't, really think, the would, I don't think the Pelicans would take Kyrie either, though, because why would they? That doesn't. No, they, they want to rebuild if they're going to trade away. Yeah, Davis. they need draft picks or young talent. Yeah, and it all depends on how we do this season. I mean, we're not going to come in first place in this in the East. We know that now. The Raptors or the Bucks will win it. We. I don't think we have any shot at winning the East now, at least coming in first in the standings in the regular season. I right. think we're going to come. I just don't think we will, dude. We're eleven and ten right now. You're We're only, not yeah, but you're only you're only twenty two games in, and it's not like the Raptors I, are really. I don't but see it's it coming. Like back. No, we can, but we're not going to. You know right. this. We're not. We're not going to, Nick. We're just not going to. The Raptors are too good. We're not going to. That, we're not going to come. Full explanation: The Raptors are too good. They've beaten the Raptors already. Yeah, they have at home. They the lost. Raptors, the they Raptors lost to the Raptors in Toronto. 
The Raptors, yeah, because they, I would have they lost thirteen straight in Toronto. Make another, you want to make another sports bet then? You don't. No, I don't. I've I've lost too many. Yeah, was, <laughs> I'm just Uh-oh. watching this. I think the Celtics are going to turn it on the second half of the season, but I just don't think they're going to be eventually going to be able to catch up to the Raptors. Okay, all right, but back to the main question, okay. Anthony Davis, would you give up Jason Tatum? Because this is uh, this is the honest truth. I think. The only way you're going to get Anthony Davis is if you trade Jason Tatum. Do it. I think you're right. I think the I only think. way, the only way to have Anthony Davis and Kyrie on the team together is to leave some big players behind. But if that was to happen, it would just be incredible. We'd be up there, be able to compete with the Warriors. It would. I think it would be amazing. Dude, that's the thing. Like, if you if you don't if you don't make this trade, like. The way this team's built right now, they, they can't be the Warriors. The way they're playing right now, they can't be the Warriors. The way they're right. playing right now, they might not get out of the East. It was like it was a foregone conclusion at the beginning of the season that the Celtics are going to the finals. Jalen Brown in an interview was like, "Yeah, we're going to the finals." Yeah. This and team, this team right now stinks. Yeah. <laughs> they really suck. It's <laughs> one way to put it. It's not even like fun to watch them play right now. No, that's it's how not. bad they are. <clears throat> it's like. It is so hard to watch right now that there are, like, I, last year watching the Celtics was appointment viewing even after Gordon Hayward, who's another major issue. Another major, major issue. You got to let him settle in. You have to let him settle in, yeah. Mm-hmm. People people do have to be patient with him. Like, what do we expect? This guy to shatter his ankle and come back and play like he was an absolute exactly. stud like he was before? Mm-hmm. No. No, it's not going to happen. But at the same time, you kind of have to – you need this guy to step it up soon. Well, I mean, they put him on the bench for a little bit, didn't they? They, like, didn't start him a couple games ago or something like that. Pretty well, sure. Yeah, Marcus, Marcus Smart's just starting out, which yeah, needs to happen. You need, the, you need the energy. This team it's is so player. But back to this Tatum for Davis thing, do it. You know how old Anthony Davis is? He's 26. 25. He's 25. He'll be 26 wow. this season. How old's Tatum? I mean, yeah, he's twenty. He's gonna be twenty-one this season, twenty-two, whatever. I can't even drink. What a loser! What a nerd! I know. <laughs> you want someone who can drink some beers with Kyrie? What a after a yeah. win and party. No, I'm kidding. But seriously, the age thing—I don't really. I know Tatum's young. He could be the next greatest player. But Anthony Davis is the greatest player in the NBA right now. Andy, Andy I think Davis he's top five. Yeah, I think he, if not, if he's not number one, he's in the top five. Go get him. Trade, trade yeah. Tatum for him. I don't care. Tatum's going to be good. I like Tatum. He's a good guy. Trade him away. If we're going to get Anthony Davis, he's five times better than Tatum. Yeah. Davis is and a leading he's, rebounder. And he's, yeah, and he's proven it many years, every year. Go get him. You know who has an opinion, opinion on this subject? You know who we're going to talk to tonight on the show? You know who we're going to talk to right now on the show? Who? Chris Gasper of the Boston Globe and the Sports Hub. So I told you guys last week we're going to get a guest. We got a guest right now, Chris Gasper. Great guest. We've been I've been talking to Chris for literally months trying to get him on the show. We finally could get him on. So here's that interview. We talk Celtics. We talk Patriots. Once again, Chris Gasper, Boston Globe, and the Sports Hub. All right, we are here with Chris Gasper of the Boston Globe and the Sports Hub. And you occasionally see him on NBC Sports Boston. Chris, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's my pleasure. Happy to be here. Yeah, I mean, like I was just telling you off air, we, I've been trying to get you locked down on a time for months, and we finally got this locked on Thursday night at 10 p.m. <laughs> hey, you got to do it when you got to do it. I appreciate your persistence and your patience. You kept catching me when I was actually taking – time off. I think you hit me up right before I went to Europe. Another time, I think you hit me up actually right before I went under the knife for some surgery over the summer. So a little bit of uh, bad timing and bad luck, but we made it happen. That's all that matters. Yeah. Usually like I would, I'd I'd DM people and they'd be like, Oh, you know, I've already got a show scheduled. Oh, I actually can't. I got to do this for, uh, for like whatever the sports hub, EEI, whatever it is. You're like, no, I'm going to Europe and I'm actually going to go get surgery. So I can't do this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Well, I've made it, I made it through both of those people. Some, some people would argue that both of those are torturous uh, surgery and being on the sports hub with Felger and Maz. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you handle it though. You handle it well. Um, But Hey, so Patriots Celtics, two hot topics. 
obviously why we brought you on. I would love to hear about your Europe trip, but we got to talk Patriots and Celtics first. Um, so, I mean, let's, let's, let's dive into Patriots first because Patriots playing the Vikings this week, the time people are listening to the show, the Vikings game might've already happened. Who knows what happened there? But Chris, I want to, I want to ask you about this Patriots offense because it's, it's super intriguing to me, but confusing at the same time, because Tom Brady's Tom Brady. When he's on the field, you expect them to be dominant no matter what his age is. They've still got Edelman. They've now got Josh Gordon. They've got Gronk. But they're not that like top-tier, top-of-the-line offense that you're used to seeing out of a Patriots team. They're not that number one, number two offense that strikes fear into opposing defenses. Even if it's the number one defense in the league, this Patriots offense used to be able to handle that. This year, you don't get that same feeling. I just want to know, what do you think's going on with the offense? And do you think that the offense is going to get better and get back up into that top five tier by the end of this regular season? Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I think it's a year where you've had a real offensive explosion in the NFL. And if you look at the Patriots numbers, I mean, none of them are bad, you know, coming into the week, the start of the week, they're top 10 in points per game. They were tied for seventh. But if you're just watching the games, it just feels like it hasn't come easily to them or as easily as we're used to. And you keep hearing Brady talk about consistency and consistency, and they just haven't reached that point. I just don't think they've been as potent or as efficient as they've needed to be in the past. I think part of that has to do with, you know, health situations, certainly Rob Gronkowski being in and out of the lineup. And even when he's in the lineup, not being quite as explosive, I think that's been a factor. I think a lack of depth at wide receiver has been a factor. I think Julian Edelman, you know, everybody talks about, him missing the first four games of the season because of the PED suspension. But I feel like people have forgotten that this is a guy coming back from a torn ACL and he's been very good. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's been the full Julian Edelman. I still think there's maybe 10% missing there. And for a guy like Julian Edelman who works over the middle, you know, that 10% is, is important. Those are yards after catch that keep the sticks moving. I also think when you look at the offensive line, I, I think that they've played well overall, but I think teams have been able to generate more pass rush. I've always been of the opinion that really Tom Brady throughout the course of his career has been his own best pass protection because of how quickly he can identify the defense and distribute the football. And I think that's Mm -hmm. been harder to do this year because I think the offensive line hasn't been as good at the tackle spots as it's been in the past. And I just think guys haven't gotten open as quickly as they have in the past, whether it was relying on Chris Hogan and Philip Dorsett early in the season or even after Edelman comes back or Gronkowski not quite being what he's been in the past. So when you throw all those things in there, right, and you mix all those things up, you see that that's sort of the margin between the Patriots being this elite juggernaut offense and just a very good offense. Chris, you mentioned Julian Edelman, and I'm curious. You mentioned the 10% that's missing. Do you think that's that's coming back at all, or do you think this is a steady decline that he might be on towards the end of his career? I think it will come back. I think it will come back based on having covered the team when Wes Welker was there. Mm-hmm. Wes's first year back after the ACL, and obviously the timetables were different. You know, for Wes, it was a real rush. He tore his ACL the last game of the 09 season, which was actually played in the 2010 calendar year. That game was January 2010, whereas, you know, Edelman did it last year, last August in the preseason, so he had more time. But I remember that first year back for Welker, he averaged fewer than 10 yards a catch which for him during his Patriots tenure was really strange. Yeah, he not just great. wasn't quite no. as sudden and quick and, and as explosive. And I see a little bit of that with Julian. I mean, he's still getting open. He's played well. But I think he's relying a little bit more on guile at this point than pure explosiveness. I, I don't think he's – you know, I used to always joke about Julian Edelman. I'm like, that guy could get open in a phone booth. And, and I'm not seeing quite the same this year of that guy that can get open in a phone booth. He can still get open – but I still think that that final 10% you know, that made him a number one receiver in this offense is not quite there. Do you think before the injury there was anything to do with performance enhancers, or do you think this, that, that whole suspension was strictly due to trying to get back from injury faster? Because we've heard both, right? People are skeptical about that. Oh, he must have been on them before he got hurt. Well, what's your take on that? People are always skeptical when it comes to PEDs. My guess would be that it probably primarily had to do with trying to come back from the ACL. And... Look, Julian was pretty open and honest during training camp and even before that in the passing camps about not really feeling like he had his feet under him and not feeling like he was the same. And so when you feel that way and you want to get back to where you were, I think that there's a real temptation for guys 
to do that and to use that stuff. And so the timeline to me sort of adds up, you know, it fits neat and tidy with the injury. Now, is there some possibility that he was doing it before and we didn't know about it? Yeah, there always is because it's the NFL. And I think that there's incentive for guys to do that. But just looking at the timeline of it and when the test was failed and going back through Patriot history, whether it was Rodney Harrison or Rob Ninkovich, guys like that who failed tests, it was around sort of trying to come back from an injury, trying to regain form. So I'm going to give Julian the benefit of the doubt and say that I think it was mostly in his haste to try and get back from the injury. It doesn't make it right, but I, I'm going to lean that way. No, I'm with you too. And like, that's, I, I, I think it's almost the same thing with like the Peyton Manning thing. I mean, he said it was his wife, his wife's, but come on, you'd come back. From yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not buying that. Field. <laughs> that. That's, that's tough to buy. Yeah, that's really tough to buy. You didn't know anything about. Yeah. No, I, I hear. And I think, look, it becomes a thing for a lot of guys later in their careers when they're, they're trying to either maintain or come back from a major injury you know, that's their livelihood, and so if there's something they can do that they feel like will give them, like, a little bit of boost to do it, um, you know, that's what ends up happening, and, and guys get caught, and Julian Edelman obviously got caught. Uh, hey, so, Chris, Josh Gordon, this guy, I love him, right? I was like, when he came over here, everybody's freaking out. This guy is a freak having unbelievable seasons, and then we don't have to rehash this whole thing about, you know, drugs, alcohol. Now he's with the Patriots. This is this is my question to you. Have we seen the ceiling for him? Because he's been good, but he hasn't been Josh Gordon. He hasn't been smoking weed every day, Josh Gordon. He hasn't That's been he was drunk Josh. every day, Josh Gordon. I just do you think that we've seen the best out of Josh Gordon with this team? He's made some excellent plays, but do you think that he's gonna actually become an elite, elite weapon for Tom Brady by the end of the season? I would say not this season, just because of what he's trying to deal with. I mean, I know everybody wants him to be 2013 Josh Gordon. Oh, uh, yeah. That guy was Randy <laughs> yeah. Moss-esque, but that was five years ago. And I know he missed a lot of time because of the off-field issues with alcohol and with, you know, smoking and, and all the stuff he had to deal with, all the demons he dealt with. But also five years have gone by. And it's not so easy to just sort of pick up, you know, where you left off. And he obviously he played games in between that time. I'm not saying, you know, but how many guys are the same guy they were five years ago? So that's number one. Number two, I think he's done a phenomenal job of acclimating to this system. I mean, how many receivers have we seen come here with big time reputations and they have a whole off season and they can't figure it out with Tom Brady. This guy came in, you know, in the season and in season trade, and he's picked it up pretty quickly. So I think what he's given you is really more, frankly, than I expected. And I think it's probably more than you could realistically expect when he came in, just considering he was jumping on a moving train. So I think for him to be like an elite, elite, like what he was in 2013 by the end of the year, I think that's asking an awful lot. I mean, I think there's still parts of the offense, parts of the route tree that he hasn't perfected. And just physically, he's still among the upper tier of, of wide receivers in the NFL, but he's not on that 2013 level. And there were some sort of whispers that when he played, you know, in Cleveland and, and was playing at the start of this season as a Cleveland Brown, that he maybe wasn't in the same shape he had been in the past. And so, you know, I sort of think that game in Chicago when he got caught from behind and, and everybody thought he was going to score that touchdown, and he gets caught from behind, you know, 2013 Josh Gordon doesn't get caught from behind on that play. So I think there's, there's still room for growth and I could see him coming back after a full off season and getting closer to that guy who was in 2013. But I think asking him to do it this year is really tough. And I just don't think you're going to, I don't think you're going to see it, but look, what he's done has been great. And I sort of shudder to think where they'd be without him at that wide receiver position. You mentioned he's, he might get close to it. Kind of two-parter, just because I'm curious. Yeah. One, do you think he ever gets the full 2013 pre, like, five years of just smoking weed and nothing else, Josh Gordon? And two, do you think it's with the Patriots? Like, do you see him having a future here? Or is this like a couple years with Brady and then out type thing? Well, the one thing with Josh Gordon, look, here's the deal. Like, I, I mean, I never question the talent. And I don't think anybody else has ever questioned the talent. It's just a question of, from the Patriots' standpoint, if you preach – you know, that dependability is more, more important than ability, which is, you know, one of their mantras. This is a, the, the guy who's probably been the least dependable player in the NFL in terms of can you count on him and you count, can you count on him to be on the field? So, I mean, you know, when you look at it from that standpoint, it's been great that he's just been out there you sort of, and, and that he's been productive. In terms of working back to what he was 
five years ago, you know, I think a lot of that depends on how he handles sort of the offseason issues and what is it like for him to maybe go through a, a full offseason with an organization and I'm not going to say not worry about those issues because I think anybody who's dealt with alcohol or substance abuse knows that's something you have to deal with for the rest of your life, but maybe to have a little bit of a more secure environment around him and, and see what he does, you know, next year. But again, you can't, you can't turn back the clock. You know, I mean, five years have gone by, um, even though he's not playing and he's not taking the wear and tear of five years of NFL football, he also has, yep. you know, just five years of physiological, you know, aging. So I still think he can be a huge weapon for them. But that guy he was in 2013, uh, I think it's asking a lot to ask him to be that guy again. Yeah, and you know what? Speaking about people who aren't really the same as they once were, uh, the tight end, you might have heard of him, Robert Gronkowski. He, <laughs> he's a, I mean, he's he's been – He's made some Gronk-esque plays this year. That touchdown over the middle this past week against the Jets was an excellent play between him and Brady. But you can tell, I think it's very visible to most people that this back injury has really been bothering him. And we know that he's had, what, six back surgeries now. Chris, do you think that this is the last year the Patriots are going to have Robert Gronkowski? Do you think this is the last year, actually, frankly, that the NFL is going to have Gronk? Do you think that he's just done after this season? Um, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I don't know. Cause I'm not in Gronk's head. I, I think Gronk will go out on his own terms here. And he certainly contemplated retirement after last season. You know, the thing I keep coming back to with Gronk, when you listen to him talk and he, he said it and he said it during training camp, football is not fun when you're hurt. And he's been dealing with nagging Especially injuries. With the back. Here. Yeah. The back has been something for him. You know, honestly, I know it's ankle and back, but there have been some sort of whispers that the, the, injury around the foot is something other than ankle and something that, you know, okay. could be harder to get over. Yeah, so, you never know, you know, it, 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 let's say hypothetically, you know, let's say it's like closer to the Achilles or something like that. Then, you know, that's one where if you blow it out, like, you know, that's it, you're done. And, and, and he would know that. So I just think the cumulative wear and tear on him, it's something he's going to have to make that decision in the offseason. Do I want to go through this again? Because I think basically for the rest of his career, he's going to have to manage nagging injuries. And does he want to do that? You know, does Tom Brady get in his ear and say, I need you for one more year, big fella? And he says, okay, I, I can suck it up and I can do it for one more year. So, I mean, if I had to guess at this point, I would say I think he plays one more year out of loyalty to Brady. But, you know, if he's really banged up at the end of the year, and it's just no fun for him. And, and he thinks he's not – and feels he's not the same player. He's not getting the same separation, which is obvious. We've seen it. You know, Mike Lombardi was the first to see it. And honestly, at the time, you know, I poo-pooed it, and I was dead wrong. You know, he was dead right. Uh, Gronkowski does not get the same separation. And so you factor in all the things Gronk has to do to make it through a season and his whole idea that, you know, it's not fun when you're hurt and you're trying to manage these injuries. What type of psychological effect does that have? And you weigh that versus – you know, Brady sort of tugging at him and saying, I need you, Gronk. I need you. I need you. I need you to come back one more year. I can't do this without you. Did you just drop news that Brady's retiring next year? I think you did. <laughs> I don't think I said that. Put <laughs> it in the headline. <laughs> Chris Casper, breaking news. Tom Brady tells him exclusive interview. He's retiring. No. Um, I actually want to kind of take it off topic because Joshua yeah. Daniels keeps coming back in the news. And because yeah. postseason's coming around and head coach and carousel in the league's coming around again. Mike McCarthy might finally be fired in Green Bay. Um, Cleveland, Maker Mayfield. I, I would love to co-coach Maker Mayfield. I don't even know what I'm doing. I'd take the job. Um, do you think he, he is here long-term? What do you think happened in that meeting last year? Or do you really think he's a legitimate candidate to grab a job somewhere this year? I think he's a legitimate candidate to grab a job. I do. And I know that you know he was really high on Baker Mayfield when Baker Mayfield came out of Oklahoma. It's really interesting to see all the people jockeying for that Browns job and has everything to do with Baker Mayfield. You know, it has a little bit to do with John Dorsey being there as the GM now. I think people feel like they have some stability and they're a respectable franchise, believe it or not. They're not I think they're know, sort of a clown show. Yeah, I mean, there's some talent there. I mean, Nick Chubb, Denzel Ward. But I think a lot of it has to do with Mayfield because that's the hardest piece in the NFL. And we talk about this, you know, I talk about this all the time with Belichick. You know, I think Belichick's a brilliant coach. I, I think he was brilliant in Cleveland, though. 
The difference was Vinny Testaverde was his quarterback instead of Tom Brady. If you don't have the quarterback piece, like, you know, I don't care who you are, it's real hard. Like, look at Pete Carroll. You know, people laughed at that guy, and then all of a sudden they discover Russell Wilson, and he's one of the better coaches in the league, at least from a winning standpoint. So if you're Josh McDaniels and you believe in Baker Mayfield and that job is open and Baker Mayfield has the rest of his career ahead of him versus if you stay here and you're saying, well, you know, Tom's my guy, but there's nobody behind him. I got to find another guy. I don't know if that guy will be any good. And Tom's Tom could play one more year or he could play three more years, whatever. You know, if you're Josh and you're looking at that way, and this is probably your last chance to be a head coach, this is your second chance. I would think that maybe a job outside of new England would be more appealing than waiting around for Belichick to step down and trying to take over here. It, it just sort of seems like you're set up to fail. If you do it here, you're following the greatest coach of all time and you have the greatest quarterback of all time, but you might only have him for a season. And then you, then you have to figure it out. Uh, that's, it sort of seems like you're getting left, you know, holding the bag. So if I'm Josh, I might look at some of these other jobs that could open up around the NFL in the off season. Chris, massive um, question here. Just kind of curious what, yeah. you, what you would do. If you're Josh McDaniels and hypothetical, if you leave to New England, you decide you want to take that second chance and the Green Bay job does open, say he finally gets canned. Would you rather go to Green Bay or would you rather take that Cleveland job for your, for your coaching future? I, I would probably rather take the Cleveland job for this reason. I think the expectations Damn. are the yeah. expectations are lower. The expectations are lower. You take that Packers job and people say, well, you have Aaron Rodgers. You know, yeah. he might be the best quarterback in the game right now, at least from a physical talent standpoint. So it's the same. It's like, what do you mean you didn't make it to the NFC Championship game? What do you mean you didn't win the Super Bowl? You, you go coach there, it's Super Bowl or bust with Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers is getting up there, too. So how long would you have him? You know, four or five years. Whereas with Mayfield, if you're successful with Cleveland, you get them into the playoffs, they'll throw a parade. If whatever Mayfield does, since you'll have him at the early point in his career, they'll credit you for helping make the guy, as opposed to whatever you do with Rodgers, they're going to say, well, it was Aaron Rodgers. Like, you inherited this guy, you know? They're going to say, well, the Jim Caldwells of the world could have shown up there. Barry Switzer could have shown up and won with Aaron Rodgers. So I think if you think of it, think of it from that standpoint, Cleveland's actually the better, safer job. Which is wild. Which is, that's, it that is, is kind of crazy to think asinine. about it that way, I mean, but... Nick, they opened the Bud Light fridges this year. Anything's possible. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, hey, true. last last Patriots question, and then we're gonna we're gonna make a little move over to the Celtics, because because uh, believe me, the Celtics make me want to punch myself in the face. Um, just overall, what are your what are your overall expectations for the Patriots for the rest of the season, postseason? Where do you see this team ending off this season? So I'll just start with this. I mean, I think this next three-game stretch, Minnesota at Miami, Pittsburgh, I think it's really going to sort of define who the Patriots are this season. I don't think we really know who this team is, and I don't think they really have an identity yet. They've struggled to be consistent. You know, that being said, I think that they'll end up back in the AFC championship game, but it just feels like – this to me feels like a 2006, 2013 2005, which obviously they fell short of the AFC championship game, but that type of season where it starts off and you see some sort of obvious holes and it's just a grind all year and they find a way to get to the championship game, but then they sort of don't have enough to get over the hump in the conference championship game. That's just sort of how it feels to me at this point. Like the whole thing just has a whiff of them working way too hard to get to where they normally get. And it it just feels like it's a grind and something's missing, and they can't sort of sync up, you know, what they want to do and all their talent at the same time. The offense takes a couple of steps forward, and then it takes a step back, and then the defense shuts down Aaron Rodgers and gets picked apart by Marcus Mariota. It just has the whiff of one of those years where they can't quite pull it all together. All right, Chris, let's switch to Celtics, because like Nick was saying, sometimes you watch them and it's just woof. Um, obviously, they had expectations coming in. They haven't met those expectations, and Nick and I will ask you a bunch of stuff here, specifically about players and things like that. But I want—I'm curious yeah. what you think. Looking at this team, what's the biggest problem? Like, what do you think is the number one thing that is going wrong with this team? Is it leadership? Is it just you know the talent's not meshing? What do you think the biggest issue is right now that the Celtics can figure out and get kind of right this ship as soon as possible? I think the biggest issue for the Celtics is the lack of defined roles and, and guys really accepting those roles. You know, I think that. When you look at this team, you have a lot of guys with a lot of offensive talent, and they want to show it and display it, 
but they don't really understand that. I like when you watch Celtics possessions. I feel like it's it's not a cohesive team playing offensive basketball. It's let's give this guy a turn. So this possession is Kyrie's possession. And now this possession, we have to go to Tatum in the corner and he's going to ISO this guy. And now this possession, Gordon Hayward has to you know run a pick and roll because that's what he does well. And, and now we're going to give it to Jalen and he's going to get the slash. I feel like instead of feeding off of each other, they're just sort of taking turns, you know, putting up shots. And that's because there's a lack of really defined roles on this team and sort of, okay, we know Kyrie's the best player, but after that, where does everybody fit in? You know, what is your role on the team? And I go back to the 2008 Celtics with Garnett and Pierce and Ray Allen, and obviously there was sacrifice there for guys. But you know who sacrificed the most? It was Ray. Because Ray could do a lot of things and had been a great scorer in this league, but essentially what they said is, like, Ray, a lot of the time, we're just going to ask you to run off screens and jack up threes or stand in the corner and shoot this open three after Pierce drives and draws the defense. Like, they really – simplified his game and if somebody got hurt he got to do other stuff and if they needed if it was an off night they'd let him go but for the most part you know Ray Allen was sort of like the Kevin Love of those Celtics where they said we know you're an all-star and you're great and you can do a bunch of things but really just stand in the corner and shoot threes and I don't see anybody on this Celtics team who's willing to sort of sacrifice and boil their role down to something that simple and I think that's the biggest challenge for Brad Stevens how does he get guys to boil down their role to something that's more simplified and also sort of buy into it. You know, how do you get guys to dim their individual light so that the team shines the brightest? Because right now, I don't think these guys are really buying into it. Oh, you know, I'm I'm seeing that too with like, especially the young guys, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and then then Terry Rozier. Because how do you, how do you get those deals? You become one of the pivotal pieces of the offense. And if they're not willing to give that up, I mean, which I think is ridiculous because the, when this team succeeds, people are going to look at the Celtics and be like, all right, well, it was Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and then the rest of the cast too. But um, but my question kind of comes with, do you? we've heard some murmurs about some deals going on. Yeah. Do you think that there are going to be any major deals before the trade deadline? And I'm not talking about Anthony Davis because – yeah, everybody that can't happen until the offseason unless Kyrie Irving is in the trade. But but do you see a major deal happening before the trade deadline, i.e. do you see Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum or Terry Rozier being moved before the trade deadline? With this caveat that Danny Ainge would trade his mother. Like, I do not. <laughs> I do not. I, I don't I don't I don't see them doing that. I think Rozier even though he's not happy in his role and I don't care what he says on Twitter or IG or whatever, like he's, he's not you read the body no, he's language. Not. Yeah. He's not happy with his role. And I know we went on the Patino podcast and said, you know, I, I've never thought of myself as a six man and all this other stuff. But that being said to me, Terry Rozier is kind of like the Jimmy Garoppolo of the Celtics. He's like this great insurance policy in case the main guy goes down. And if Kyrie gets hurt, you want Rozier there. So I would ride it out with him and, you know, Tatum and Brown, I see them, still being here because I think that when you ultimately do try and pull the trigger on a bigger deal for, you know, Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis or yeah, whatever, there it is, what, Davis, you know, whatever what the, whatever the deal is, you know, one of those guys is going to have to be in that deal. So I, I think that at this point, you just sort of try and figure it out with these guys. And I think that they'll do a better job, but you guys really hit on it. You know, when it comes to sacrificing a lot of times that's easier for older veteran players to do. One, they've already had individual success in the, in the league, so they're looking to win. Mm-hmm. Two, they've already established their brands, like whatever that is, like their brand is their brand, and that's fine. You know, they're not really looking to make a name for themselves, and they know who they are. With younger guys, it's like if you're Rozier or Jalen Brown or Tatum, you're still really sort of testing your limits and trying to figure out who you are and where you fit in and the overall pecking order of NBA players. And at this point, sort of sacrificing is not appealing to you. Like you're trying to make a name for yourself. You're trying to figure out, you know, who, who am I? Am, am I a, a perennial all-star? You know, am, am I just a very good starter? Am I a six-man? You don't know who you are. And, and at that stage of your career, obviously, you're thinking like, well, my upside is perennial all-star. And you want to go out there and prove that every night. And I think it's just really hard with young guys to sort of ask them to do. I think young guys don't know how to do less you know, with, with, with less opportunities or do more, I should say with less yeah. opportunities, you know what I'm saying? Like they don't know, like for them, it's like, Oh, less playing time, less shots means like I'm going to be less effective. And it's like, 
yeah, maybe your numbers aren't as high, but you could actually be a more effective player in the success of the team. I think that's just something that's hard for younger guys to to understand and to figure out. Sure, stick with Terry for a second, because like you mentioned, yeah. right, he goes on the Patino podcast. Sounds like a complete goon telling him, oh, I don't care. I, I care about winning. I don't care about starting. You care about starting, dude. But you, you look at what he's saying. He's like, well, I, I'm happy being a six man, but it's like, He's not even a sixth man right now. He's like ninth yeah. in the rotation, eighth in the rotation. Yeah. Is he a distraction in the locker room? Like, do those guys like Kyrie and like these other Jason Tatum go like, dude, you're playing. Get over yourself. Or like, what's his role in the distraction level of what's going on right now? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's a distraction. You know, I'm not in the room, so I don't know what the dynamics are. But I, I don't, I wouldn't say it's like up to a distraction. My thing with Terry Rozier, take the attitude out of it. You know, whatever or whatever his approach, let's say, to coming off the bench is. Even last year, I said this at the time, like, because people have gotten really high in Rozier, and I, I like the guy as a player, but to me, he's, he's basically an undersized two who's a volume scorer. His best games last year, and th- this is before Kyrie was even out for the year, his best games were when Kyrie was out and he could start, and that was never going to be his role on this team. And, and I questioned from the beginning whether he was the type of guy that could give you what you really needed as a bench player, because... His, all his best games last year, even before Kyrie, like I said, was out for the year, was taking the hardware out of the knee. It was when you know, Kyrie was out sort of in like February or whatever. They were when he could start and be in a different role, and that's not what they need. And it's a different sort of thing for a guy to come off the bench and play 20 minutes or 18 minutes and make a contribution versus needing 31 minutes and 15 shots to make any impact. And, and I think that's the question about Rozier, like – is he the type of guy that in a limited sample size can be as effective as he is in a bigger one? Because I think a lot of times he needs shots and he needs minutes to get those shots to really be the Terry Rozier that a lot of people think he is. You know, there's sort of an art to being able to come off the bench and play 19 to 23 minutes and be able to impact the game. Not everybody can do that, and not everybody's built for that. Marcus Smart's built for that. I, I don't think Terry Rozier is built for that. Whether, whether he fully embraces the role or not, I just don't think he's built for it. Chris, I want to touch back on the Anthony Davis conversation because just the thought of Anthony Davis in a Celtics uniform makes me all jittery inside, just like it used to make me all jittery inside when I saw it, when I would imagine Chris Sale in a Red Sox uniform. This is, this is the kind of thing to me, it's like, Two years ago, three years ago, when Celtics Nation, the Green Teamers, is, as your your buddies Felger Maz like to call them, and Jim, yeah, they they fell in love with this team. It was gritty. They were tough. Avery Bradley, Evan Turner, Isaiah Thomas. But I always said, when you have to make that move because you're going to have to eventually, it's going to hurt. Like it's to get that next guy, it's going to hurt, and that's what happened with Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie. To me, this Anthony Davis thing is kind of the same because I think the Celtics do have a really good shot at getting him if they're willing to deal Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. And I think realistically, if you ask me, if Jalen Brown doesn't turn it around this year, in order to get Anthony Davis, you would have to trade Jason Tatum in that package. Would you do that? Would you be willing to give up Jason Tatum for Anthony Davis? Because before you answer, Jared and I have battled about this. I am a clear yes. Jared's a clear no. Would you, would you give up yeah. Jason Tatum for Anthony Davis? <laughs> um, I would. I mean, yeah. you know, Anthony Davis, yeah. I mean, you know, look, Jason Tatum has incredible upside. There's no question about it. And we all best. saw what he did in the playoffs last year. But Anthony Davis is a bona fide superstar. Not only is he a bona fide superstar, he's a big. You know, he, 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 he could come here as a big and have sort of a Kevin Garnett-like impact. And one of the things I've seen from Tatum this year, and I'm not knocking him. I mean, Tatum's great, but – and he's still so young. That's the other thing. But when they went with the starting lineup at the beginning of the year with Gordon Hayward in it and, and Kyrie Irving and Jalen Brown and Tatum basically is a small ball four at this stage of his career, like small ball four defensively and from a rebounding standpoint is not ideal for Jason Tatum. So you bring in a guy like Anthony Davis, who's a big and just such a dynamic player. I, I, I would, I always sort of lean towards, you know, the sure thing. And Anthony Davis is obviously a sure thing. I know he's been nicked up. He's had some injury issues in the past, but he is an absolute sure thing and just an incredible superstar in the NBA. And I always go back to this too, because I remember this years ago when the Celtics traded for Kevin Garnett, you know, Boston.com ran a poll and asked people before the trade, would they give up Al Jefferson for Kevin Garnett? 
And it was overwhelmingly no. People did not want to give up Big Al for Kevin Garnett. And I think Celtics fans fall in love with players in their uniform and particularly fall in love with young players. And, and it's great when a guy's young, you can imagine him to be anything you want him to be. Uh, and sometimes those guys reach their potential and sometimes they don't. But you already know what Anthony Davis is. And, and so that's a short thing, superstar in his prime. I'll take it. And he does that all with one eyebrow. Most people do with two. Side note. It's like supernatural (laughs) powers, really. Um, Sticking with that hypothetical, if you do that, and again, I'm not a big fan of that. Obviously, I wouldn't hate Anthony Davis in a Celtics uniform. Can that trio... sounds like you would. Can that trio of Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, and Anthony Davis be a Golden State-type team for years to come with the money you'd have to throw their way and all that kind of crap? Can that team be sustainable long-term? Yeah, I mean, so now we're getting to sort of NBA salary cap machinations, which are, you know, I, 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 this is the part of the NBA that frustrates me a little bit just because I wish it were more accessible. Like, you know, you guys obviously introduced it when we started talking about this. You're like, hey, you know, the Anthony Davis trade cannot happen. And, like, you know, we all get it. Um, you know, with Rose Rule or, you know, Kyrie Irving, you know, the, the, the whole situation with his deal. Like, I get it. But it's just not, like, a lot of fun to talk about. But, yeah, obviously there would be major salary cap ramifications there. I think a lot of it would depend on Hayward and whether he gets back to being Gordon Hayward. Because I would look at it and say, okay, here, here's what I have. I have Anthony Davis. I have Kyrie Irving. I have Gordon Hayward, who's the Gordon Hayward in Utah, who a lot of people forget. I mean, in the West, was right. like dragging a team into the playoffs in the West, uh, which is a phenomenal feat. You know, the last year he was with Utah. I mean, he was a you know, great, great player. And then I still have Jalen Brown. But now Jalen Brown has a little more room to breathe. And so if I'm looking at that and I'm saying, okay, that's my group. And let's see what happens in Golden State. You know, does KD end up returning? What does Clay Thompson do? You know, does he want to go home to L.A. and, and play with LeBron? How does that work out there? Um, I, I would feel pretty good about having Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, assuming Gordon is Gordon again, and Jalen Brown. I, I would say that would be a team – that could compete with anybody. All right. Last question. And then we'll wrap it up. Uh, Celtics kind of the same thing with my last Patriots question. Do you see the Celtics picking it up and not, not playoffs? Cause we're not nearly close enough to the playoffs. You know, hopefully we get you back on before the playoffs and we'll drop a hint right there. Um, where do you see this team finishing off in the East this season with this awful start? Because I mean, People got to remember the Celtics didn't get their 10th loss last year till Christmas. So they are well ahead of schedule on their losses. Where, where do you see this team landing in the uh, East standings at the end? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, as we're doing this, they're six and a half games back of, of Toronto. That's, that's a lot of ground I think to make up. Um, doesn't mean they can't do it, but that's still a lot of ground to make up even at this point in the, in the season. So and they're, they're know, being the Celtics, State right now too. Sorry. Side note. They're being, yeah, the no, right I mean, you know, I, man, I think people sort of slapped on Kawhi and they, again, they forgot about what type of player he was. And then the other part of that deal that is so underrated to me is Danny green. I think he's exactly what Toronto needed is like a three and D guy with some veteran leadership and grip, but to go back to the Celtics, I, I would plug them in probably to the second or third spot. You know, let's see what Milwaukee does sort of long-term throughout the end of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics overtook Toronto. So I think I would sort of look at them and, you know, put them in a situation where they would be right where they were last year, which is the number two seed in the East behind the Toronto Raptors. Okay. All right. Chris Gasper. Hey, thanks for coming on tonight. (laughs) Yeah, this is fun, man. This is good. It was good. That was awesome. Hopefully, uh, I mean, if you're if you're down, if you had a good time, we'd like to ask you back for a second date at some point later on in the future. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely would uh, come back on and and sort of chat with you guys and chop it up with you guys. It was it was fun. Like it, it went by really fast. You guys ask tough questions, man. I always tell people, right? There's a couple of things about my job. One, any predi- like predictions, occupational hazard. Like other jobs have like real occupational hazards. Like, you know, obviously, like if you're a construction worker, hey, that construction site's really dangerous. You could get hurt. You know, my occupational hazard is having to make predictions because you got stuff out there like, you know, old takes exposed and all that. And you say something and then you look like an idiot. So I always joke predictions, occupational hazard. The other thing I joke is you get asked a lot of prediction questions, right? And it's like, man, 
If I could predict the future, do you think I'd waste it on sports? No, I'd be playing the lottery every day. I would be sure. I'd be like, oh, I know exactly, you know, um, I, I know exactly where, you know, Kim Kardashian's going to be, or I know exactly uh, <laughs> where this girl's going to be at. So I'll make sure that I show up there. If I could, if I could predict the future, I definitely wouldn't waste it on sports. But so no, you guys asked some, cash some gambling in Rhode Island. strong questions. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I'm telling you, if I had that ability to see into the future, I mean, imagine what you could do with that. Would, oh. would, you, would you waste it on sports? I know some people would. Like, they'd probably use it to gamble. But seriously, I mean. Oh, yeah. Twin River, absolutely. A thousand percent. <laughs> yeah. Like, I literally, like, I'd be like, like, if you could see the future, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to invent the next, like, iPhone and make myself a billionaire. <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell you where the Celtics finish in the East. <laughs> we'll we'll take all these clips, and as you know, if you're wrong, I mean, don't don't be. We'll just we'll we might tag old takes exposed down in the comments somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe. see, yeah, it happens. It happens. Yeah, it <laughs> happens. Part of the deal. Part of the deal. You know, you gotta you gotta put yourself out there. I might get the old uh, Jim Murray take shaming, which I love. You know, the shame, shame for some of love for those. some of these takes. We've we've had we've had Jim on before. We've had Jim on maybe a couple months ago now. Yep. Well, uh, next time we get on, we'll uh, we'll get him to take shame you. That's what we'll do. We'll have a yeah, he's good. No, no, yeah. Jim. Hey, I love working with Jim. He is wildly talented. One of the most talented people that I've I've ever encountered in sports media or sports journalism. Uh, that guy just is unbelievable in what he can do. And I love doing the show with him on the weekends on 98.5 The Sports Hub because not just because you know he's he's a great guy and he's really cool. And he tells me about like pop culture things that I don't know anything about because um, he's way cooler than I am. But also because every single week we do that show, he makes me laugh. Like I have to shut my mic off because I'm laughing, you know, like I'm like 10 years old uh, with like super juvenile humor. He he makes me laugh every single week. Uh, and I always think this, too, like as a writer, like the hardest thing to do, I think, either as a writer or just talking is to make people laugh consistently, like to be funny. And it just comes so naturally to Jim. He's so good at it. Every every time they've been they've been pumping these Rolling Stone tickets, and every time they do, he comes out with this this Southie Boston voice for the Rolling Stone tickets, and it's killing me in the car every week. <laughs> oh, it's great. Oh, his voice is the, the impressions. The impressions. The David are the Price best. one. I mean, the yeah, David I mean that's taken on a life of its own. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Although there's one I'm trying to remember because I remember teasing him one time on the show. He did an impression of somebody else, and this stinks because I'm I'm killing this story because I can't remember who the other person was. But I remember saying, I'm like, that sounds a lot like David Price. I'm like, and he's like, yeah, here's the, here's the trick to my impression. Not a lot of range. Not a lot of range here. <laughs> and it was funny. Like, he did an impression of, like, somebody else. I'm like, why are you making him sound like David Price? And he's like, well, you know, not a lot of range, Chris. Not a lot of range. So, you know, Jim, Jim's good, though. He's self-deprecating humor, too. All right, Chris Gasper, follow him on Twitter at C Gasper. It's C Gasper. And then catches columns of the Boston Globe, and he is frequently on 98.5 the sports hub as he just said saturday show uh gasper and murray chris what exact i don't want to screw up the times what exact times that show so gasper and murray is on saturdays from 11 a.m to 2 p.m we're on most saturdays uh every once in a while we'll get preempted for something like the massachusetts high school super bowls but uh, you can catch us 11 a.m to 2 p.m on 98.5 the sports hub on saturdays gasper and murray uh, even if you don't like sports, just tune in for, for Jim's humor and for us rehashing our favorite 1980s toys. <laughs> it's a it's a great show. I'm always I'm always catching it on Saturdays when I'm driving. You'll also see him on NBC Sports Boston, like he was last night, Wednesday, November 28th. All right, Chris, thanks for coming on tonight, man. Hopefully, we get to talk to you soon. Absolutely, I'm glad we could make it happen. It was a lot of fun. You guys do a great job. Absolutely. Hey, thank you very much. We'll talk to you. I right, once again thank you, Chris Gasper, for coming on the show tonight. Talked to Anthony Davis, talked to the Celtics, and talked to the Patriots and Rob Gronkowski. And that's who we're going to talk about right now. We're going to follow up Rob Gronkowski. Do we think this guy is going to play again? And mind you, listeners, we just put that interview in the middle. We haven't heard it ourselves yet, so we might be repeating a little bit. But here's, here's what we think about Rob Gronkowski. Do we think that Gronk is going to play next season? We talked overall Patriots this season with Chris Gasper, but... My question to you guys, do you think Gronk is going to be back next season? I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. I don't think so. And I, I think that because I think that the Patriots are going to do great in the rest of the season and in the playoffs. 
and have a good enough season for Gronk to sign off. Look, he, he's got an amazing relationship with Brady, and I think that's what's keeping him on. He, he knows that. He's so injury-prone. He knows that his, his uh, glory days are reaching their end. He knows that he might have a career in the movies. He's been talking to The Rock about maybe starting a movie. He's, just, he's not a good actor. Like, we, we've Head seen him before. I don't the Duncan commercials? Come on, he kills oh, me. No. Duncan commercials. So bad. So, <laughs> so cheesy. Oh. Hey, guys. <laughs> well, I think there's some people willing to pay him for, uh, for, for that kind of stuff. No, but... he's, a, he's a professional wrestler. That's what he is. <laughs> that might be it. I, I think he's going to come back and play. I mean, why, why, why wouldn't he? Even if he he could probably set out back. half of next yeah but dude he could probably set out half of next season play the second half and that's all we need him for because we're gonna sign we're gonna sign someone in the offseason. I know that I think we're gonna sign a decent wide receiver the Patriots I think we will like who they don't they don't sign superstars they just don't do that I think next year will be the year they do it if Gronk if they know Gronk might not come back they're gonna have to sign somebody. Who are we going to have next season to play? As well? That's what people say going into this year, too. And you know what Bill Belichick did? Signed to nobody. Yeah, but I think times are changing in New England, and we need to do something times about it. Times are changing. That's times right. are changing, and I think something's going to happen this offseason. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know when it's going to be, but I think we're going to make a move for a wide receiver, a, a superstar, and get that superstar. You know who You know who the number one receiver was at the beginning of the year? Philip Dorsett. Yeah, exactly. That was that was the Patriots' number one receiver. He doesn't even exist that. anymore. Yeah. Bill exactly. Belichick did nothing. Two years ago, two off-seasons ago, when he went out and made that trade for Brandon Cooks and this team, like, people were talking about the team going undefeated again. I mean, like, that was, like, that was off-kilter of what Bill Belichick does. Bill Belichick does. Now, I with the way that he was this off-season, I don't think he's going to do anything. I don't. Maybe... You're going to bring back Julian Edelman. If Gronk comes back, fine. But realistic, it's, it's just not Bill Belichick's way. He doesn't get those superstars. And he's got to invest more money in the defense. True. He has to. Um, but no, for Chris, for I'm going to say Chris Gronkowski. Chris Gronkowski, who frequently likes Couch Guys Sports on Instagram, just saying. Nice, nice. Real um, recognize real. Gronk in that goddamn back. Have you guys ever had a back injury before? I can't say I have. No. It sucks. And I'm not even talking like broken bones or things slipped. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking like a pulled back. Yeah. It sucks. Can so you no. imagine Can you imagine having six back surgeries and then playing a full contact sport like Rob Gronkowski no. does? And, and double oh. covered like he does? No, I can't. Yeah. No shot. I like, imagine. And, and he's, we, I mean, we've talked about it a bunch of times. When Gronk gets hit, he gets lit up. No doubt. He's so big that he topples the ground. He causes an earthquake when he hits the floor. Jeez. But he, he loves the game. He is a freak, and he loves the contact, and he loves the game. But don't forget that he threatened retirement last year. And it's ve- and he said, uh, if you guys trade me, I'm leaving. I don't want to play anymore. I'm going to retire. He's See, I, don't, I don't think he loves the game. Well, I think he does. I mean, he has his rings, and I think he wants to play because of Brady and because of Belichick. But other than that, man, I mean, he has his money. We've all heard about his finances, how good he is with his money. He doesn't need the money. No, yeah, yeah I mean, he doesn't. If Brady walks out after this season, I think he's gone for sure, yeah. I if think, Brady yeah. retires after the season, And yeah. if Brady gets a Super Bowl win, he's gone. Oh, I think, yeah, if we win the Super Bowl, Gronk's, I think he's gone. If, but okay. if we don't, I think he's coming back. I don't even think he cares. I, I don't think he even cares about a Super Bowl. You don't think so? I think. But what does he care about? I just think I think he's back for Brady. I think that's all he's back for. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So maybe they're on this one last final ride together this year, and maybe they're both retiring at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Who knows? All right, next topic. We're going to talk about this for literally 30 seconds, and we just have to because it's a big story in the news, and it's just it's a it's 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 a different story. Dwight Howard and the 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 sexual rumors. We'll put that. Look them up on Twitter. We're not going to talk about. We're going to talk about this for literally a minute. We just have to touch on it. And first of all, it's none of our damn business what that guy does with the sex life. Can we agree <laughs> on that? Right. Agreed. No Agreed. None of our damn business. But the story on Twitter, wild, <laughs> scandalous, wild. I mean, this Mason Elijah is the name claims that. They he he was dating so it's a it is he he said 
He said that it was a relationship they had. And he said also, because people were saying that he was a, a transgender, he said that he is a guy. So it is a gay relationship. And the reason they, they broke up was because Dwight Howard was going to parties, sex parties. And it was just this big mess of big. You have to look at the Twitter thread. But I, hey. that's, all, that's all I really want. I don't want to, I don't want to hey. say anything too much. All I want to say is good for Dwight Howard. He's doing what makes him happy. Dude, it, He's do doing you, himself. Do your whoa. thing, Dwight. Do your thing. Whoa. Whatever it is, just do your thing. Hey, whatever. No, I agree. Do your thing. But let's just say that these rumors are unsubstantiated. He has not responded to him. His team has not responded to him. For all we know, this person could be lying. This person, Mason, has written a book that they could be promoting. You know, they've said some sketchy things in the past. Well, I just say that we don't take all of it, take it with a grain of salt. You know, this is some pretty scandalous uh, rumors that they're spitting out. They have everything to gain from this. And don't and don't harass him either, because right. that's where this whole thing started. Was because they had Dwight's team harassing him. They had Dwight harassing him, threatening him, like threatening him with violence. Like it's it's a it's a very interesting story, and that's where we're gonna leave it. Real quick, finish off the night. Craig Kimbrell, Joe Kelly, Kimmy. Who do the Red Sox bring back next season? Who should the Red Sox bring back next season? Real quick, Connor, we'll start with you. Um, well, don't bring back Kimbrel, because you know I hate Kimbrel. You know I'm not a Kimbrel. <laughs> I've been on Kimbrel since the beginning this past season. You know I was all not about him at all. I'm not a big fan, so don't bring him back. What about Joe Kelly and Nathan Valdi? Sign them both up. Give them contracts. Okay. Thanks, Connor. Michael. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I, I agree with Connor. I mean, Joe Kelly's got fighting him. We've seen it. Kelly showed up in the playoffs. He, he Tyler loves, off his ass. Yeah, he really did. Joe Kelly Fight Club. Never forget, you know. Uh, Joe Kelly's great. Nathan Evaldi, amazing, amazing ball player. And we heard David Price on his Twitch stream say that he wants Nathan to resign. And you know, you know that push and shove might be just enough to get him to agree. Craigie Kimbrell, mm. Kimmy, <laughs> Kimmy has given almost everybody in New England a heart attack in that postseason. <laughs> And he got the saves. He got the wins. We, we won. There's no doubt about it. But, I mean, his performance was, was just really sketchy. I mean, walking 15% of batters in that postseason, giving up all those home runs, you know, pushing games that really shouldn't have been pushed. I think that, you know, people like Nate, a person like Nathan Evaldi might be a better closer than Craig Kimbrell. You know, uh, yes, sign Nathan Evaldi yeah. to be a closer. Right? No, exactly. don't, don't do that. Start why? 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 <laughs> who else do we? Who else do we have to start? Stephen Wright, Eron, Rick Porcello, Chris Sale, no, David, no, Price. David Price. You literally have five minutes. I think Evaldi is better than um, against Price. the Yankees. You literally have five starters. I don't get Evaldi. I mean, get right. Put right in the bullpen. But why? Because I like Evaldi starting. He but he's our closer. That he can start. You would love, yeah, exactly. You don't have a closer. They were the thinking closer, about, weren't they thinking about Joe Kelly putting him? The only closer, closer you could yeah. have Joe Kelly, but how much do you trust Joe Kelly? Because he's been a he's been, he has been a roller coaster. Yeah, he's a psychopath. He'll figure it out. <laughs> exactly. Bring back no, Joe Kelly. Way around. Yeah, bring back Joe Kelly. Bring back Nathan Evaldi. Yes. That's where we're gonna end the show. Once again, Chris Gasper, thanks for coming on the show tonight. Uh, we'll we'll plug. I'm sure. I'm sure. I am sure that we're going to promote the hell out of this. So you guys will see everything out on Twitter. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Couch Guys Sports and the podcast at Loose Change Pod. Buy some merch right now. If you're listening to this before Friday, November 30th, we were doing the Cyber Week sale, 20% off and free shipping. And catch us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and clnsmedia.com, and obviously CouchGuysSports.com. Couch Guys Sports, Loose Change Podcast, episode 85 in the books. Myself, Nick Wallen, Connor Strayer, and Mike Salahaney. Guys, talk to you next.